0: You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. going morning, church. Happy fourth week of Eastertide. It's still rolling on, people. You know, we, we celebrated Easter once and then we get keep getting to celebrate the entire season that we have in Easter. Can you turn me down a little bit, Cameron? We've been walking through this entire season of Easter we have been walking through, if you remember, the book of Revelation. We've been looking particularly at this revelation of John, and we've been looking at how this story that comes to us is describing that God is making all things new in the resurrection. It's not just something that happened in the past. But there's actually these kind of waves, these these repercussions of the resurrection that we're still realizing today. All Things New is the series that we've been walking through. So if you're joining with us, it's a great time to be with us. Last week, uh, we talked about, Tish came up and talked about worth and how looking at specifically how worth what we understand to be worth is actually not found in our bank account. It's not found in our social status, in our jobs, or in our relationships. But worth is actually um, everything that is ascribed to the risen Jesus. Anything that's of worth is actually has something to do with him. So we look to him to understand, the risen one, to understand what real worth is. This week, we're going to carry that on. But today, we have this really beautiful um, reading in Revelation 7 that looks at all of the nations, all peoples, all tribes, joining in one song in unison, standing before the throne room of God in his presence, saying this, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne. Picture that. Everybody, everyone, in unison, agreeing on something. And in fact, it's this. Where salvation belongs, that it belongs to our God who is seated on the throne. This is what we're considering this week. This is some of the the implications, like Origen puts it. He says that um, the, the resurrection of Christ floods the universe with divine and sanctifying waves the future of God, where God is taking all of history to this moment where even all people say salvation belongs to our God, those effects are even meeting us today. They're coming to us in the present, and we actually get to realize that this morning. At our house, if you're at our house at any moment during the week, usually in the mornings or right before school, um, actually even after school, all the time it happens at my house, um, our kids will fight or something will happen, and what you'll hear very often is, go work it out. That's like a phrase, That's like what we say all the time, a phrase we say all the time. Go work it out. They come to us and go, but dad, uh, Braylon did this, and ah, can you believe that? I'm just like, yep, I can believe it. Go work it out. <laughs> See if you can work it out. Um, actually, Emery is the easiest one right now to get along with <laughs> so far. Little baby Emery. She's super sweet. Sometimes I watch my kids fight and disagree, and I mean, we're family, and they can't work it out, and they need our help, so we come and help them. I look at this, and I think, no wonder the rest of the world can't get along. My family can't even get along. We fight about everything, you know. Our kids over like dolls and stuff. We fight and hit each other and all that kind of stuff. And it's true. In our bones, there's something about us as human beings that you just, we just fight about things. We're just selfish. We want things our way, on our terms, when we want it, just the way we like it. Our preferences have to just be kind of locked perfectly. And then things are good. Then we have peace. Then the world is right. This is the way that sin works itself out really plainly. And I know every single one of our lives in here. There's no one in here that this doesn't escape. This is how sin works itself out. And this is why, this is exactly why, if you think about this, this is exactly why this vision, this picture that we see in Revelation, that is not just some sort of uh, fantasy religious thing, but is actually the truest picture of reality, this is why that truest picture of reality is so profound. To stand in the, in the throne room of God seeing everyone saying in unison the same thing in total agreement. Now, picture this that I just said in Revelation 7 next to our world right now. The headlines. That's incredible, the difference, isn't it? That vision. Considering everything that's going on in the world, we get to see the resurrection actually playing out. affecting, consuming even our world that's in such deep crisis and division so, so profoundly even in our homes this is exactly where um, the, the passage is headed in Revelation 7 I want to read to you verse 9 he says this, let's just read it again I know we just heard it, it's worth hearing again after this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count for from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb robed in white with palm branches in their hands sounds familiar doesn't it Hmm. verse 10 they cried out in a loud voice a loud voice saying this particular thing salvation belongs to our God who is seated in the throne and to the Lamb what particularity there's a people a great multitude and they're saying one thing and they're saying one thing to one person the Godhead the the one who is seated on the throne and the Lamb can you imagine this let me just kind of list a few things that I think would be interesting to help us imagine this. All people, all nationalities, Americans saying this. That's crazy to me. That sounds incredible for Americans to be saying salvation belongs not to the stock market, not to the presidential race, but to our God and the Lamb that's slain that sits on the throne, the Lamb that's risen. Can you imagine Americans saying that? Jews and Arabs saying this, Russians, Chinese, Brazilian, North Korean, South Korean, young folks saying this, old people saying this, the rich, the poor. Can you imagine terrorists saying this? Can you imagine superpower nations and countries saying this in unison together? Finding agreement on this? The unemployed, orphans, widows, politicians, even Texans. Can you guys imagine <laughs> Texans saying this in unison? Salvation belongs to our God. Our God. Which God? you might ask. Well, the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the triune God that we see in Jesus Christ, the risen one. The Son. He is the, the, the uh, risen Lamb that the, the Scriptures are talking about. And then it goes on. In verse 11, it says that the angels and the elders and the four living creatures, it just gets more and more fantastic. They all fall on their faces, worshiping God in His presence. This is reality. Man. Let's pause there just for a second to let that sink in. One, one question this morning I think finds us. If this is true if this is actually a picture into the way things are, the state of being because of the resurrection and its effects in the world that's true how do we participate in that today? How do we get in on this reality? Said another way, let me say it another way And that anything less than this vision than participating in this particular truth is delusional is actually like disconnected from reality Hmm. even as a church at resurrection I know you guys love each other I see it all the time even for us for a bunch of folks who just really genuinely deeply love each other and if you're new here we love you too like you're in on this so don't worry about it sometimes we don't even get along like this picture sometimes we can't even in unison say these things together and we all have a plan for how to fix this we all have a plan to like fix everyone else so that they agree with us and so that we can say this together in peace we all have a plan for peace like this if you turn on the tv our politicians they have all kinds of like plans for peace and wonderful ideas apparently we think but the way to this vision in particular and there's a particularity here that you've got to understand this isn't just some sweet peaceful in unison kind of moment there is a way that is that is to this peace it's not just any way There's a reason that John says it's to the risen lamb that's sitting on the throne now. When you say the risen lamb sitting on the throne, if you've never heard of the Old Testament sacrifice of the lamb and how Jesus is the lamb of God, and that he died at the cross and was later three days risen from the dead and then ascended into heaven to sit on the throne of God, none of that would make sense unless you heard that story. The lamb who sits on the throne. That's unpacking that entire story for us. There is a particular way that John is suggesting to us that comes about this kind of unity, this kind of peace, this kind of all nations, all people saying one thing to one God. There is a way to this. And it looks like the suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. That's exactly what it looks like. So for us, as we consider what a wonderful picture this is and how we participate in this kind of reality... There's, there's like some really practical ways to get, in, get involved in this. It looks not like going through life without suffering, I'll tell you that. It looks so much like the way of the cross. It looks so much like suffering with others, bearing one another's burdens, having compassion on others, doing it just like Jesus did, in fact. The way to this kind of peace comes through a great deal of suffering. And as a community, if we're serious about participating in this reality, truest reality, then for us to get along, for us to find this kind of peace, it's going to involve us suffering with one another. Not getting things our way. If we're serious, if we really want to be reconciled into the life of God and with others, if we want that peace, it comes through the way of the cross. You guys follow me on that? This shouldn't be new. We've heard this before. And Jesus offers us, he says, come, come follow me. This is the way that I'm leading. This is the way that it looks like. Verse 13 it heads in this exact dire- direction of suffering and um, it, when he looks at the, the, the folks in the white robes, did you guys notice that part in, this, in the passage verse 13 um, those who have come out of the great ordeal of persecution, suffering, martyrdom this is like some particular folks uh, I believe who are who have been martyred for the faith. Um, this can I think be really just plainly understood as those faithful people of God who were victorious because of Christ, um, those who conquered not by who conquered not by uh, you know ways around suffering but in the violence that they were experiencing actually suffering for the cross and giving their lives for the sake of Christ being known. These are those who suffered and perhaps unoften did die and the robes they wear that's stained with their suffering with their pain, with all of the the ordeal that they must have gone through those robes are made white with the blood of the Lamb what rich symbolism that those who have followed the way of the cross, and have gone through incredible suffering, challenges, turmoil. That when they come into the throne room of God and this worship of heavens unfolding, their robes, their suffering is washed clean by the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus, by his own passion. And the passage says this. This is what it promises us in verse 14. Now in the new heavens, the new earth, they stand in the presence of God, sheltered by his throne. They find shelter, finally, by his throne there's no more hunger for them there's no more thirst there's no more pain no more tears the harshness the sting of life is taken away in the presence of God and they are led to the spring of the water of life what a beautiful image we even hear some of that image in Psalm 23 today church this is our namesake what we're talking about right here resurrection South Austin we are named like what tags us what names us is this invitation to participate in the resurrection life of Jesus. And not in just any way, but in a very particular way that Jesus invites us into. And it involves the cross. And in his death and resurrection, when we consider that, he overcomes the greatest of barriers for our sake in the resurrection, right? What's that greatest barrier that he overcomes? Death itself. Death, something that we can never get around on our own. Jesus has overcome in his own death and resurrection. So all other barriers, because the barrier of death has been kicked over, all the other barriers fall with it. There are no longer any things that can stand between you and I and our relationship with God unless we let it. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, all, of the, all the barriers that we think that stand between us, they're, they're done away with, they're put away. So as a community of really diverse folks, which we are, we totally are, different needs, we've got different preferences, we like things a little bit differently. I understand that. That's fine. Amidst all of this, God is making us one. He is making us into a new people. He even says this in Scripture several times. And he's doing that not in any way, but particularly through the suffering of the body of his own son. That's the way that he's doing this. And Jesus, we're being reconciled in this way. So our question this morning, how do we really participate in this unifying kind of drawing unto himself reality of God through Christ, through his cross? I think it looks like us facing conflict and fighting and like all of the disagreements of facing that with each other without fear. Why? Because we know that barrier has been overcome. Even death itself has been overcome. So you and I are safe to resolve conflict with one another. To actually come out and say, here's who I really am. Here's what I'm really dealing with. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't like that. But I know that in conversation and in friendship with you, because of Christ, because we are one in him, we can work this out. And there's hope for us. Man, that's good news for us. It means that we don't have to have this pressure upon us, kind of looming over every one of us, to become and conform into some image that society gives us. Like some uh, middle class, uh, you know, upper middle class, white, well educated business professional thing whatever that is we'd actually don't have to conform to that that's not the storyline that narrates and draws our life we have a new norm you could say and it's the body of Jesus that we're being drawn into and reconciled to one another through Christ a new storyline and that's not where life is headed anyways to like business profession and lots of money and status and all where is where is history headed we read it to the throne room of God where we say salvation doesn't belong to any of those things but it belongs to our God and nothing can keep us from that because of Christ. Once we were not a people. Once we didn't have this story. Once we were not shown mercy as 1 Peter talks about. But in Christ we have been shown mercy. In Christ we have been made Christ's people. Politics, worship style, education, income, race, gender, sex, age, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, and female. All of these things in our sin are used to push other people away. That's how the world deals with these things. And all of these things have been consumed in the life of God through Jesus. There's no longer anything that separates us. We are being made a new people. All things new. Even a people are being made new. So as we come this morning to the table to consume the flesh of Jesus... We are in turn consumed into the very life of God itself. Do you hear that? What's involved with that is now our differences are done away with. Those things that divide us, God says, no, come to me. I'm going to actually reconcile all of that in my own life. So to consider this, I mean, this isn't just saying, um, I'm not Sean saying, hey guys, think of this. Isn't it wonderful that we're all reconciled? I'm not just saying that. I'm saying this morning, we actually get to participate in a tangible way, the reconciling work of God through Jesus Christ. The gospel itself is going to be handed to you in a material form in your hands, in your mouth as you drink it. And in so doing, we become the living body of Jesus, reconciled as a new people. God is making all things new in his resurrection, and it's here for us at the altar this morning, and it involves every single one of us. Every single one of us. To say that this changes us is like a terrible understatement. This changes everything. Think of the possibilities of this. What does this mean for our neighborhood, for instance, who's still running under the narrative that like... It's just always going to be like this. We're always going to be divided. Different people. The Mexicans stay on the east side of William Cannon. The rich white folks stay on the west side of town. The weird folks stay in the south. And if you're going to retire, you might might as well go up north. Right? Is that not the narrative here in Austin? That's craziness. And to be a people that say, no, the way that that Jesus' resurrection actually unfolds is that we don't have to separate that way. We don't have to be afraid of one another. We don't have to have our life our way. But we can actually open ourselves to be reconciled with others through the peace of the cross that Jesus offers. But the key is this. Not wishful thinking. The key is being willing to suffer with one another. It's it's being willing to live in parts of town that you're like, I don't know about this. Or to live, have neighbors that are like really, really tough. Maybe even a spouse that's just kind of tough to deal with sometimes, like me, my poor wife. Being willing to suffer and have compassion with one another. This is the invitation of the cross this morning. So beware. If you think this morning, um, you know, Sean, I know exactly who needs to hear this. Man, I wish they were here. Beware. You are the person that needs to hear this. That's you. So don't sidestep this. This is for all of us. Following Jesus that you and I have to be willing to suffer. To have compassion with one another. To actually share life in inconvenient ways with one another. We talk about this all the time, right? Life together in the goodness of God. This is our idea of what the good life is. It's not just life on our terms, but it's actually life on God's terms. Being able to enter into that. And we do that every Sunday. But it's going to involve some inconvenience and some suffering. That should not be a surprise for us. So church, the resurrection of Jesus changes even our community, the peoples in our neighborhood. He's making them one. No longer are we making do with a life that ultimately ends in death and division and war because that's just normal. That's not, this is no longer the story by the resurrection. No longer are we left to those divisions that we've created amongst ourselves. Jesus Christ has overcome all of them. There's not a barrier that stands, that remains, after Jesus has kicked it down in his resurrection. Starting with sin and death. The barrier that puts down all barriers. So this morning, if you've had something, I'm going to try and name this for us because I know we all have this. If you have something that has kept you from reconciling with another, this is the time. This is going to be just as good as any, actually. Pursue reconciliation. With the confidence, not just in thought, like wishful thinking, but in the hope and the confidence that Jesus has actually eliminated these barriers between us and we're safe. And we can love one another and trust one another because of Christ and through Christ. Maybe it's a really old wound. Maybe you need to ask someone for forgiveness. Maybe you need to extend mercy, even when people don't really deserve it. Extend that forgiveness. Let's pray. We could pray and act on those divisions in our own neighborhood, like racism that are still very much underway, our socioeconomic divisions, those things need not be anymore. We can actually become neighbors in the truest sense. Jesus is making all things new, including peoples. He's making us new. He's making us his people. Let's bring all of those things that stand to divide us, even in our neighborhood today, this morning in South Austin, and let's lay them down as we come to the altar, saying, God, you are the one that we all come around and say, salvation belongs to you our God, the lamb who was slain and in you we are reconciled. We are made at peace with you. This is the invitation that we have this morning as we come to the altar. So I invite us, let's spend a moment of silence just to reflect on this and ask the Holy Spirit, what are those things that need reconciling that you're inviting me to lay down at the altar this morning? You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.